0: I know you want to become confident and empowered and you deserve to step into that life you are yearning for. I'm Carrie V, and I get it. There is more greatness to come in your life and I know you can feel it. I've made a choice to live my big life. Now it is your turn to be empowered and step into the life that has always been yours. It's time for you to step off the sidelines and into your own life, the one you were created to live. It's easier than you think. I believe in you. In fact, I am your biggest fan. So let's get started. Every guest that comes on to Coffee and Tea with Carrie V podcast is asked a question at the end of the podcast. What is your version of your pow, pow shoes? What does it mean to step into your pow pow shoes? It means learning to laugh and find joy even when life is hard, especially when life is hard. It means digging deep into who you are, why you're here and what you were created to do. It is part of the radical empowerment method. Getting off the sidelines of your life and stepping into those pow-pow shoes, stepping into your confidence, your radiance, your best brilliant self, being unapologetically you. I have been working on my book, The Radical Empowerment Method, for over a year, and it is almost here, and you get to be one of the first to have it. Head to the link in the bio and get your name on the wait list, and you will be the first to know. I am your biggest fan. I love you. Get your name on this wait list. Welcome back to Coffee and Tea with Carrie V. We have a very special guest with us today. We are continuing our Straight Talk About Cancer series. And with me today is my aunt, my favorite aunt in the world. And if any of my other aunts are listening, I'm sorry, but you've known this my whole life. (laughs) She is my favorite aunt. And she is finishing up her second round of chemotherapy for ovarian cancer in a very short time. And she's going to share with us from her heart real talk about real life with a very a very advanced stage cancer that she is fighting with everything in her. So this is Jenny Berger, and the first hey, thing... Hey, Carrie. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. And we're sitting out, by the way, in Blue Ridge, Georgia, out on the front porch, or on the back porch. So if you hear dogs Watching barking...
1: hummingbirds. ...or
0: hummingbirds, <laughs> this is real life, real talk, and you know, the last episode, we had Kayla screaming about a bee, so we may scream about bees. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I'm just going to refer to you as Aunt Jenny. Aunt Jenny, tell, mm. us, tell us your biggest piece of advice for someone who might be facing an advanced cancer diagnosis?
1: Oh Okay, that's a hard one. Um, first of all, you've got to have a lot of faith and you have to have a lot of strength. Um, once you get that diagnosis, it's like a, like a rock hit, dropping in your stomach. And you have to deal with that rock all the time. It doesn't go away. I did not have any idea the impact of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I mean, yes, I've been a nurse forever, and I've taken care of cancer patients forever. And I know the effect it's had on them, but not to the extent it's had on me. Um, fatigue is probably the biggest, biggest hurdle Because you get up and you're still tired or you're up for an hour and it's like, oh, God, I just need to lay down. Mm -hmm. And I do. I lay down a lot. Um, And it's not a form of denial, like it'll Mm -hmm. go away. It's just I can't function. The other thing is brain fog. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always active. I was always into something that required mental acuity and i just get into a fog and i'm not even sure what day it is thank god for apple watches <laughs> um I, I i the chemo itself was wearing and i i don't know exactly how to put this but it the Each chemotherapy treatment builds on the one before. And so by the time you're done, it's worse. The last treatment is worse than the first. It just piles on you and piles on you. And you just want to quit. Mm -hmm. You just want to quit. Um, Talking with the oncologist is very helpful. And don't be... Ashamed or embarrassed about saying, Hey, have a straight talk with me. Uh, because if you, a lot of times they're not forthwith um, because of how you're feeling that day, or you know, they don't want to upset you more than you're already upset.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but if you, if you walk in and say, Just you know, lay it on me, um, what What am I looking at? And I still don't know what I'm looking at. I thought after the first round of chemo and I had the PET scan that I would walk out just doing a jitterbug. Yeah. Because everything would be okay. Uh, And it wasn't. Um, So then it was like, okay, go into a second round of chemo. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if if I want to put Cheryl, my partner, through it. Um, a lot of the extra bulk comes down on her. Um, and it's, it gets to a point where it's embarrassing um, what your significant other or your caregiver has to do because it does wipe you out so much that you can't even <laughs> wipe your butt. And when you're dealing with diarrhea... Uh, that's really a, a yeah. bad deal for your caregiver so um okay my first piece of advice is to have an excellent caregiver because otherwise you know you can't do it alone sincerely you can't go through this alone yeah uh, you have to have um, a support system and you're Significant other or caregiver is, is your main prong to that. Um, when I started into the second, before I started into the second chemo, I decided I wasn't going to do it. Point blank. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do it.
0: Can you tell our listeners how much time there was between ending your first chemo and beginning your second? Um.
1: I had my PET scan done, and it was probably a week and a half later. And I had the PET scan about a week after I had ended the the one. So probably about three weeks. Wow. Three, four weeks. Um, And then it's like, well, (laughs) what am I going to do if I don't do the chemo? What's it going to mean if I don't do the chemo? So long, short, short, short. I went into the chemo, and it was worse than the first. I figured I, <clears throat> I knew what it was going to be like. I had had it before, but but this oh, time was different. This time was entirely different and entirely harder. Um, to the point where, finally, the um, the oncologist said. I think we better cut back your dose a little. Wow. Because it, you're you're having a hard time with this. My counts my white blood counts were going down and like just it was it was bad. Um but I don't I don't take advice well really. <laughs> when when they say, "You know, Jenny, each one's going to be worse than the one before." It's like I try to believe that that's a lie. But it's not. Um, I am done with my second round of chemo. Yes. And tomorrow morning I have a PET scan to see if it was effective. Now <clears throat> it had come back. It had come back before, so it, it's in my mind that it's it's still there. Yeah um when i have a bad day or when something's going strong or it's like i know this is what it is and and it's going to be like this and it's hard to face that it's hard to face whether you're not you're going to do another chemo yeah to face another chemo um
0: so right now in this moment if the pet scan comes back with more what would you choose
1: Hard question, Carrie, because yeah. I, I really, like I said the last time, I said, if there's anything there, I'm not going to do chemo. And it was like, well, what if I don't do chemo? Then it's going to get worse. And then I'm still going to be sicker. Um, but I won't be sick from the chemo, I'll just be sick and dying from the, the cancer. Ovarian cancer is a cancer that is not curable. It is not curable. When you do chemo and you have a response to that, you're lucky. Yeah. But how long that luck that luck lasts is is individual. You know, you might have somebody that has the first round of chemo and they're good for five six years. And there's some of us who don't make it a year, um, but you know in your you know in your mind, your educated mind that it's it's there, it's not going to go away. Um, we can put it into a remission, if you will, but it's it's not gone. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest to face that, that there is no cure. There, there's the Why am I fighting? Why am I doing all this when I know that well, I'm not going to be clear? It's going to be there, and at some point it will come back.
0: So why are you? Let's just turn that around and say then why are you fighting it? I think that's important for people to know why why go through it again
1: so quickly. I I think. It, it's my decision and my decision only, except that so many people um, enter into that decision. Yes. Um, it, 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 it's so hard. I, and I keep coming back to the caregiver because it is so hard on the caregiver um, that you don't want to do that to them. But the alternative is dying. And what's that going to do to the family unit? hmm You know? Um, mm-hmm. So you, I guess you keep going back, hoping that the next time it won't be so bad. But
0: Well, chemo uh, is rough. Chemo is—I have not been through it. I've only been on the side of
1: watching. It's—the um, chemo itself is fine. You have a pour, it goes in, give you a liter of fluid, and boom, you're done. And then it kicks in maybe the next day. And it's like, oh, yeah, I got the chemo. Mm -hmm. And and all of those side effects come in. Um, It's hard, Carrie. I mean, I fight. Mm -hmm. I fought the last time. I really did fight. Uh, against doing more chemo and then it was like "Mm." I think in fairness to my significant other and my family
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I had to give it a try Um, everybody else in my family gives it a try so I figure I gotta give it a try The, the biggest to other than the diarrhea and the vomiting and and those types of side effects is the fatigue is immeasurable um, to walk from the porch to the kitchen. Okay, I got to sit down because this is wicked. Yeah. Um, and when you're not used to being like that, when you're used to being able to do things. It's incredibly hard. Sure. And then you add in the brain fog um, that, you know, is really significant. Um, <laughs> left, I had to learn to re-sew because the chemo had knocked me so bad that I couldn't remember how to, to miter a corner or to, to um, even just the basting stitch. And so Cheryl laughs and calls it mm, Ginny on chemo sewing one oh one. For
0: those of you, we should we should give a little disclaimer here. My aunt is a master quilter. So when she talks about mitering corners, I know what that means. I know maybe many <laughs> who are listening don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but no, no apologies needed. But sewing is sewing is a huge part of my aunt's world so to forget that is a major major stumbling block Mm. how does how does emotionally how does that feel um
1: if you if you go to the song crimea river Mm -hmm. i've um probably done three or four rivers Mm -hmm. i would end the drought in the west (laughs) very easily yeah um the frustration level must be... The frustration is, is a huge part of it because it's like, I know this, I know this. Why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? And then it's, you just give up. You have to give up because it's too depressing to keep trying. Mm-hmm. And it's depressing to ask someone, come show me how to to sew the seam when I've been sewing all my life. So that that was, that took a lot to be able to ask for help. Mm -hmm. But then it was humiliating, um, frustrating, and very depressing. And... um,
0: What's something you have learned from the experience of being in a position now where asking for help is not an option? You you have to do it. You need the help.
1: I'm sorry, my option. Yeah.
0: What is what is it like to be then in this position of needing to ask for help where you're a very self sufficient person? Um Accomplished sower, accomplished nurse, nurse supervisor, than to be in the position of the patient being the one asking for help. how what is that like emotionally to go through that transition? It's
1: very difficult, emotionally, but it's very humbling mm-hmm. um, when you can't do what you've always done and you need to ask for help, it's humbling. Um, and as Carrie said, my entire career was in nursing, and I've wiped many a butt, mm-hmm. and I've cleaned up a whole lot of vomit. But it's different when you're on the side. Mm-hmm. And you've got to learn humility and patience because the caregiver you got to realize that as bad as you feel, the caregiver is— Taking a big hit on it, too. And um, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. But you have to be patient. And patience, okay, isn't one of my strongest. (laughs) (laughs) So learning to be patient, learning to be humble. Um, Say, it's okay, it's because of chemo. And I can say that right now, but maybe... 20 minutes from now, I'll try to do something and I'll forget what I said mm-hmm. about being humble and patient. Um, Cause like Carrie said, that's not me. That's, that's not my personality Mm-mm. in my prior life.
0: Mm-mm. No, I remember as a little girl standing in a field while we threw boomerangs that you <laughs> brought home from, <laughs> you brought home from the service from you with, from Vietnam.
1: Yeah. Yep, I remember those days too And Yeah um Jeff has his and Victor's Really in his in his apartment. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. Um yeah, um I, in addition to, to my chemo right now, and I have to just put a little mention in too, I was in Vietnam as a nurse, um back in seventy and seventy one. And I have developed a very severe peripheral neuropathy. My balance is off and I don't feel my left leg.
0: And this is from Agent Orange. Correct?
1: From Agent yes. Orange, yes. Um, so that tied me up a lot in terms of my mobility and my functioning. And then this was like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, it was hard. It has been hard. Yeah. And it will be hard. The next time that it comes up, hopefully it won't be now. <laughs> <laughs> but the next time it comes up, um, I guess we'll be back in the saddle again.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will all be here with you and for you. hmm I have I have one last question mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask you, and we may have to just have another episode with you in the future. <laughs> um, if there was one thing that you could say to people who have a loved one, so coming, coming from the side of the patient and saying to your loved ones, this is what I need most from you, or this is what I wish you would say, or this is what... I, I wish I could have from you, what would it be?
1: Patience. Um, the caregiver gets frazzled and it's understandable, but I still need comfort. I still need patience. I still need that, I know you feel like shit and I'm going to stay here, uh, but, mm-hmm. but that just that—that that being there, um, it doesn't have to be much, but to be considerate isn't the right word. Um, Sensitive—that's mm, a great word to to my feelings, uh, or what my feelings must be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's hard to say to a caregiver because. Their life has been upended as well, and you know, dump truck landed on them too. Yeah. Um, But but that's what I need most um, from my caregiver is that understanding and compassion, and verbalizing that, and that's sometimes hard for caregivers to do. Yeah. Their personalities may not be um, such that they verbalize that considerate side of them. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to be patient with them as well. So from how about not just from your
0: caregiver, but from maybe a visitor that comes or someone who calls to check in on you, what's the number one thing you would need from us?
1: Um, Just to ask how I'm doing um, and get a response. Sometimes people will call to see how you're doing, and you say, well, I've had a bad week or I've had a bad day. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's all about them mm. oh yeah I know and I haven't had a good week either my back's been out and and the conversation goes over to them and then it's like it's is an end point there I'm done with the conversation then yeah so um, that that don't call unless you really really want to hear yeah or really want to know um, because phone calls, can get very exhausting, very tired. Yes, I mean when you're already fatigued, and and phone calls come and and you appreciate them, but then finally it's like, okay, I really need to, to lay down. Yes, um, and be understanding of that. You know that sure I'm going to fade out here any second. Yeah, um, but FaceTime has been great. Um, one of the nurses that I worked with in hospice in Florida calls every week on Facetime.
0: That's beautiful.
1: And we talk about it, and we talk about it. So, um, and and her being a hospice nurse as well, she understands
0: yeah.
1: all of the the facets of of the muck that comes up
0: yeah so letting letting you talk I think a lot of people assume you don't want to talk about it and you do you need to
1: yes you need people to listen yes
0: yes that's um, beautiful
1: it's not it's for myself personally it's not something that I can keep to myself or that I want to keep to myself yeah it's um, it's happening to me and not that I want to spill my guts on you and make you feel worse than your day already felt. Um, but if you've asked, then you need to... and
0: be available for the answer. I love that. I love that. Anthony, thank you for sharing your heart. Carrie, you're welcome. And we will do another part of this as your journey continues.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. And hopefully I'll control my tears like I did this time.
0: <laughs> you never have to. You never have to. I cry myself on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for hanging out with us it's been today. a pleasure. Thank you. an episode and share it with your friends. And follow me on Instagram at I am Carrie v. Remember, it is never too late. Peace out, girlfriend. Pow, pow.